Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Uh, thank you, Christian, who is giving us uh, prompts you, the from Christian. outside of the studio. Otherwise, you would have just stared at a white screen for a long time. So we are glad that you're joining us. Welcome to episode number 67. Uh, what Overtime is, it's basically us being able to do a deeper dive into the weekend message um, where we get to hopefully get questions. Today we've got a couple yeah. questions from several listeners. We're excited to get to those um, where we hope that you're challenged and encouraged by the discussion here. This is always kind of part two of the discussion. So what we always encourage you to do is to, oh, sorry, look at that. I've got to mute my video. Sorry about that. Thanks for yeah, so uh, what we hope is that this challenges and encourages you that you would always watch that first, the, the weekend service, and then you can kind of be a part of the discussion here, and hopefully it helps you kind of get part two. Um, so this is the opportunity to kind of go into a little bit deeper. If there's something left on the cutting room floor, you know, something that didn't quite make it on Sunday, we can now kind of go a little bit deeper. And like we already said, for you to be able to engage with questions with us. Uh, one of the things that we like to do is to highlight a couple things that are happening in or around the church. This week, what we want to draw your attention to is that if you're around our facility, you may have started to see these concrete pads start to show up in random places. That is because we have got some awesome volunteers that are actually putting together a 18-hole disc golf course. Pretty exciting. We are hoping that by uh, the spring of 2021, that's just this, months, yep. you know, next couple months, that that will be ready to go. But 18 holes, it's a lot of fun. We've got a, an awesome group of, we've got an awesome leader and a group of volunteers that are doing that. If you would like to help out, they do have some upcoming work days. Um, I want to want to point you to their Facebook group, and I'm doing this from memory, and I know it's a, a little bit longer title, but it was it's Broken Chains Disc Golf at CLC New London PA. Broken Chains Disc Golf at CLC New London PA. So if you search for that on Facebook, you should find their page. You can be, uh, you can kind of join that page where you can be a part of that and you can see all the different work days that they have up uh, coming up. But we are pretty excited for that. Uh, it's just, I said this on Sunday, but it's just fun to kind of chase a disc around. I don't know why. It just is a lot of fun. So that is kind of all the announcements that we have. If you have any questions about that, please let us know. You can email us or text us. We'd love to hear from you. But we are on week three of Happy Strife, Happy Life. This is the third week kind of diving into it. It's part of our bigger series where we're actually looking at the book of Luke. Um, and that one, we're, gosh, we're 28, 29? Right, yeah. Over half a year. Over half sure. a year yeah, yeah, on yeah. this. So, so much fun. I so hope you're enjoying it. Do you want to give us kind of a recap of what we talked about specifically for this week? No, Ben, I would not like to. <laughs> we always have this where he just gives... So, um... I mean, I'm hungry. Usually, I fast during this time because I'm oh. godly. Uh, but I mean, they've ha have seen you watch <laughs> like hot, hot dogs. dogs yeah. and so my wife made me a, a really lovely chicken salad, salad on a bed of spinach. Look at me eating healthy. Sounds really. good. I'm almost forty. My my body's broken. I got to figure that out. But um, you can judge me for it, and God will be disappointed and judge you the same way. That's what we talked about. Yeah. If you judge, God judges you. Which is like, is that really what it says? And well, it's kind of what the scriptures say. Yeah. So we're just walking through the scriptures, going, "What did the scriptures say?" And I know this probably was a, a, a pretty like hard message this week. Hopefully, you listen to it. Again, this is part two. Um, but don't get mad at me. These are just the words from Jesus that we're reading. And so what we've been doing is looking at some really awesome declarations that come from Jesus, and that there really is a happy life to be had. He actually tells us it's a blessed life, but. That's, we changed the word in Greek. I mean, he's literally going, you want to be happy, which is what we all want, right? In fact, that's what's interesting is 
Most people who show up at church aren't looking for a deep theological understanding, at least for the first time. They just want to be happy, and they're not happy. And so Jesus actually tells us that pursuit of happiness that's written in our Declaration of Independence, you can, you can have that. So that's actually a real promise to us. And so he starts out going, this is where happiness is found. And you, everybody would lean in and go, oh, this is where happiness is found. And then he tells us that it comes from the, the, the craziest places, being broken in spirit and poor and pain. And sorrow, like so, there is this this world that's available to us. It's happy. Without we, Jesus tells us, this is the kingdom of God. He tells us to repent for it's so near, right? It is available to us, and it's filled with happiness, and it's available to us now. But it's so weird because it's never the place that you think it would come from. It's actually imagine the place you come from, and then flip it upside down. And that certainly seems to be where we find Jesus offering his happiness and joy and peace, and we find Jesus meeting the needs of those around him. And so we're in this four-part series called Happy Strife, Happy Life, where we're just looking at Jesus' words, goes, that's really where we find the happiness. Then after this four-week series, we'll start another four-week series called Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus, because all the rage about things right now is plus. You got <laughs> Disney Plus, HBO Plus, and Max, and you got Dude Perfect Plus. That's the behind the scenes. And so we're going to offer you Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus. I'm really excited about the graphics for it, that hot air balloon it's wrecked and in it we're actually going to see what it's like to live this out in real life looking at some people in the scriptures so we're just going to keep walking through um the, the gospel of luke and just keep figuring out but really the premise right now is there is happiness for you and so we learn that happiness usually is right on the other side of pain if we allow it and so kind of looked the last couple of weeks that pain is kind of a doorway to blessing and happiness and we understand you understand that people really actually only change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change unless the Holy Spirit does something really neat, which is what I hope happens for you. I don't want you to wish a bunch of pain on you. But one of the things that's come up often is, well, what if I'm not in pain? Does that yeah, mean I right. can't experience the kingdom of God? No, 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 you can. You can and you will. And really, really neat that Jesus makes some promises for us. We're going to see it this week that he talks about how we build our life. And he says, when the rains come, when the storms come, meaning it's coming at some point. So this gives us some words to help us understand if we have been in pain, are in pain, or will eventually be in pain. So this is really helpful there. But that doesn't mean right now, if you're not in pain, you should go seek pain to figure out how to live in the kingdom of God. There's another way. And the way by which you can figure that out is actually through judgment of all the crazy things. So Jesus is talking about how to in the kingdom of God, and he's just going to highlight something that's pretty um, natural for us because mm-hmm. uh, he's basically flipping yeah. it upside down. He said, basically, you really want to experience the kingdom of God. Here's some things you shouldn't do, and here's how you live in the kingdom of God, and you shouldn't judge. He says, judge not, unless you be judged. Judge, and then you will, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. And then he says, and if you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. So he gives us an understanding, and then he gives us the opposite things that we should do. So there's four commands. Don't judge, don't condemn. Instead, you should forgive and you should give, right? And so we learn this idea that maybe, maybe judgment is a indicator of what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And so the first big question is, does that mean we should never judge? Which is complicated because you see what I'm doing right now. I'm going to go, don't you judge. You shouldn't judge. If you judge, I'm going to stop and go, don't judge, right? What am I doing there? I'm making a judgment. So what's complicated is if I tell you not to judge or I call you out for not judging or observe you when you're right. judging and point it out, I'm actually doing the thing that I'm telling you not to do. And now we're in this, you know, fierce battle of Pong, of judgment. You judge, you judge. Same thing that I said this Sunday. It's like, you know, the idea that you should never, like, religion is private. You should never talk about your religion. Do you understand what you're doing when you're telling someone never to talk about their religion? 
You're talking about your religion, right. your right. opinion of your worldview, and so it can't be that. So what yeah. is it? And the really, really neat thing, and this was the big idea, is that uh, judgment can be this indicator. So when we, when we want to look outward and make judgment, it's a time to look inward so that all of us, you and the person you want to judge, can all move forward. That's really, really key, and we'll get to double down on that today, the idea that we all get to move forward. So what a great gift that God gives us that every time we want to judge someone, for being slow, being sloppy, for saying the wrong thing, for talking too much, for oversharing, for eating with their mouth full, whatever it is, or whatever noises they make. Every time we want to do that, that should be an indicator that we are so close to the kingdom of God. And the way that we get to engage in the kingdom of God is actually not look outward at that anymore, but look inward and deal with what Jesus tells us. Stop dealing with the speck in someone else's eye. Instead, deal with the plank in our own. And then, then, then. Then we can see clearly. So we understand there's some steps. When you want to judge, first step, look inward, not outward. Second step, deal with what's going on with you. Deal with the blank. And then, then, and third, help your brother, help your sister, help your friend with whatever is um, affecting them. Mm-hmm. So judgment, outward, you want to do it. Then you look inward. Then as you look inward, you deal with that that judgment in you. Deal with what's going on in you. And then, 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 then you get to go help you and your buddy, help you and your spouse, help you and your child move forward so it gives us a pretty clear picture of how we walk through those things yeah i feel like as as we work through this that and even as we look at some of the questions like this is complicated right this is challenging it's something that we know but we don't really do well living out um and, and, I think, it, and we can't sometimes it's like yeah. wait, wait, there, 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 there's a requirement sometimes right that i offer this so and, what and even in that like how do we so the question in my mind just as you're talking is, so then how do we raise children how do we instruct mm-hmm. because yeah. on some level if they're getting angry, we're going to correct yeah. them about being angry. But I'll be honest, yeah. when I'm correcting, I'm usually angry yeah. about them being angry. So so it's it gets really yeah. complicated. But it's such a great this. gift because yeah. you're like, no, 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 I have to judge. We have to make those judgments. Yeah, yeah, you do. But the worst damage that's ever been done with by kid, to kids is based on judgment from their parents. Right. Of right. Declarations that parents have made about their kids. You're lazy. You're mm-hmm. fat. You're slow. You're annoying. Yeah. No one loves you, whatever. If someone else knew you like this, if you don't act this way in front of that person, but what you're yeah. saying even in that is if they saw you this way, they'd have the same kind of disdain for you as I do, which isn't what you're trying to say, but what they're trying to hear. And so even in those things, it's like, yes, we have a responsibility yeah. to judge our kids. But hear me, before you start judging them, we have a responsibility to look inward and deal with the things in our own yeah. life because so much of how we judge our children it's based on the the lack of awareness we've had in our own life. Yeah. In those things. So like even when we live vicariously through our kids and their sports, right? We have not done the hard work of going, why do I care so much about this sport? Well, there's something in me that told me that if I perform good, people would love me. But I didn't perform good. Mm-hmm. So now my kid needs to perform good. So somehow people will love me. Right. So even right. in those things, it's like, yeah, this is such a neat opportunity to go, why do I want to offer that judgment? Have I done the hard work yeah. of looking inward first? Yeah. So the big idea of this yeah. series is that we need to leave, you know, what is comfortable yeah. to the here to get to yeah. where God has what He has for us, which is the there. Not all for even this. Not only do we need to leave here to get there, which is comfortable, right? Well, you can't get where you want to go because you don't want to leave where you want to stay. Right? That's yeah. kind of the thing. But it's not just what's comfortable. Here's the other word that I would use and will use over the next couple of weeks. Leave what's natural. Yeah. We have this right. natural bent in us. That is the kingdom of earth, right? We have yeah. this natural bent hardwired in our DNA to be selfish, to right. be egocentric. And so there has to be this way by which we move out of what's natural 
to something yeah. that feels really unnatural. And that's why this judgment one is a really, really neat one. Because yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, we get we don't like pain. Okay. That's not, I would say natural, you're going to feel pain. Supernatural, kingdom of heaven, you're going to experience joy and peace regardless right. of circumstances, right? right? They're like, I don't get it. no judgment. Yeah, that seems really natural. You've, you've made <laughs> 12 judgments just on me on the way I'm eating my food today, right? Like, that's just really natural. So really, this picture is how do we leave this natural right. bent in us right, 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 right. to surrender to the Spirit to experience the kingdom of heaven in the way that he has for us? Yeah. And so as as we talked about kind of the big picture of the series, and then specifically for this week, you said that the big idea for um, week three was that the, the kingdom of God is not something, it's not just about something that is in you, but something that goes through you. That's right. Yeah. The, so not designed just to yeah. go into you, but designed to go through you, right? And yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I was just basically going to say, do you want to expound a little bit more on that? Or do you want to wait until we kind of dive into it yeah. with the questions? No, wait, I'll, I'll head it there. The things you're asking. So remember, the nat- naturally, everything ends with us. Yeah. Right? right. Everything. Like, we're the hero of our own stories. Right. The focus should be on us. Unless we really feel insecure about the focus. And then it ends with us, the focus, because you don't want it. But the, everything begins and ends with us. So we're the recipients. You're making decisions about what worldview you have based on how it ends with you, right? Even this, I told you at the beginning, most people come to church because they'd like to be happy, right? Yeah. That is about us. That is about you. And there is this beginning process where we're starting going, this is uncomfortable. What do I need to do to experience a better life, right? People only change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change. But who are they thinking about in that change? Themselves. So one of the dangers of looking through this passage of going, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can, I can experience this and walk into the kingdom. One of the things that made me really... Uh, egocentric and user-centered is going, I can do all these things so that it can, I can experience all this personally. And while there is a part of this that you get to experience all the joy and hope, what I want to make sure is abundantly clear is that's not the end goal. Mm-hmm. The end goal was that not only does the kingdom of heaven invade every part of you, yeah. it then overflows out of you. Because most people, most people, their first introduction or should be to the kingdom of heaven is not through some Bible teacher or some church yeah. building. It should be from someone who's experienced all the things in the kingdom of heaven. And it's coming out of them. You yeah. can think of these people. Like you can think of people in the church. I got people popping up in my head right now. Yeah. Going, yep, I see that in them. They've experienced all the kingdom of heaven to the point that they can't contain it. So the goal of the kingdom of heaven, the goal of the gospel is not just to land in you, but to move through you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you said on, on Sunday, and I think it was just more in passing than a, than a point that you were yeah. making, was that, you know, somebody's there could be the relationship or this, the joy or the the outlook that you have on life. Like somebody could see that and while they may not be there, they could be going, man, what's different about that person? What is, what do they have that I don't, that it's, that's even something that they're there is that, that they see that joy, what God has done. Right? Is that, I think you had made that. Yeah, yeah. So we have folks in our church, so this has been their experience. In the middle of, I mean, I I hear it. I've heard people share this with me in the middle of some devastating life circumstances. Devastating stuff far beyond what I ever could imagine or desire or wish for. for Just devastating circumstances. People looked into their life and saw something really unique. And we hear this story a lot. You hear this story a lot. And it's actually in the middle of persecution and pain to see happiness and blessedness in the middle of it that people kind of their antenna go up and they go what is that right yeah. the the greatest thing we have in the kingdom of god is joy beyond 
circumstances. Yeah. And so that is something that this world does not offer. And so, yeah, there is this thing that is this comes out of us that there is a natural bent towards going, I want that. Yeah. Not that you have to fake it, right? Please don't do that because people pick up on that and go, no, I don't want that, right? And many of us have bought into that line. we got to pretend everything's right. But no, there's this natural kingdom of heaven that comes out of us that people are drawn to. So you see this throughout the scriptures. You see it in people's real lives. And so, yeah, it's supposed to go into you, pass through you, overflow yeah. out of you. And one of the places that you get to learn that is actually in the strangest sense and yeah. judgment and condemnation and self-awareness from those things. Yeah. So as we get to the text, and I do want to get to these questions, but I, yeah. I think we'll jump into the text first. Uh, this is is this this is a continuation from what we've seen from last week. So we talked about kind of the golden rule. Jesus is talking about the blessings and the woes from last week. You can find that if you want to listen to week two of Happy Strive, Happy Life. But this is a continuation, verse 37, right? Yeah, so I would say this is Golden Rule 2.0. Yeah. This is like He's still in the same passage. That's why we didn't really cover it much last week. I told you last week and this week that I think the Golden Rule, treat us as you want to be treated, is really a call to look inward. It's a word that we use now, emotional intelligence, like yeah. our self-awareness, all those things. A call to look inward to go, okay, I, I see what that person's experiencing. If I were in their spot, right, how would I want to be received? How would I want to be responded to? How would I want my story told? Right, all those yeah. things. And so that requires us to pause and consider what it's like to be there. And that's what emotional intelligence is. You see the scriptures tell us, Paul tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And guess what? You can do those simultaneously. You can be excited for people and sad for people at the same time because there's this, you can understand what it's like to be in their shoes, understand what it's like. And so there's this requirement to look inward. So when it says treat others the way that you want to be treated, which is what we all like. Like we all like that little passage. The problem is no one does the hard work of that passage, which, by the way, isn't actually starting with treating other people that way. It's actually going, how in the world would I like to be treated? Hmm. How would I like for my story to be shared? How would I like for this to be communicated? How would I like for this to be received? How would I, all those things. And so then you go, well, how does God do that? So this is what I want. And this is what Jesus then said. After you do that, after you do that, the, the, the logical solution is you don't want to be judged. Yeah. You don't want people to treat you bad. In other words, you really want people to be merciful to you. That's going to be your logical conclusion. As you look in, you want people to be merciful, filled with mercy and grace towards you. And so Jesus then goes, so do as you uh, treat others as you wish to be treated and be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. He's going, the reason you desire that, because hardwired in your DNA is this forgiveness and hope and uh, like reset for you. Like it's hardwired in you. If you look down, you know that you want that for yourself. And where does that come from? And he goes, be merciful. That peace comes from your father in heaven. Be first merciful as our father in heaven. So you go, well, how can you be merciful? Okay, I'm leaning in. How do I be merciful? And the next thing he says is, don't judge. Well, that's how you can be merciful. Don't judge. So let me tell you, be merciful as my father is merciful. You need an example. Don't judge. And unless you want to be judged. Don't condemn, right? So judgment means to make a, an assessment about someone and put them in a category. And then condemnation is to give them a sentence based on their behavior. So judgment is identify the behavior that you think is wrong. And condemnation is give them the consequences they deserve for the behavior. And by the way, they probably deserve them. And so he goes, unless you want that, unless you want yeah. judgment and condemnation, I would recommend you be merciful as your father is not merciful. How do you do that? Well, you don't judge and you don't condemn. So that's where it starts. And there's a lot of... Yeah, but, what, what, but, 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 yeah. but, wait, wait, but, no, no, the, let me give you this, sir, but, but, no, go, yeah. no, 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 let's just, let's just hear him out here. Let's just start there. Let's start with, what if that's true? 
Yeah. Okay, so don't judge. No, no, but, but I, get, but I get the situation. No, 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 just listen, listen. listen. Just, yeah. just take all these scriptures. Jesus is not teaching these like two verses and that's it. And you've gotten the, you know, the Cliff Notes version. You've heard people say it and you've heard, you've gotten your responses to it. Yeah, yeah, but. And so he then tells us past that. Don't judge. Don't condemn. And then he tells us to forgive. And if you want, if you get forgiven, if you forgive, you get forgiven and give. And we'll give it to you. And then he says something so crazy. He says, and the measure by what you do those things is the measure will be added unto you. So that word measure literally is a ruler. You want to know how you're graded. It all is determined by your response to judgment and condemnation mm-hmm. versus forgiveness and giving. Wait, wait, yeah, yeah, but, 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 how in the, yeah, yeah but, right, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. And we'll get there. But start with that first. Yeah. Before we get to the rest of it, let's just start with I believe what Jesus is saying here is exactly what the scriptures say. We can parse the words. We can try to figure it out. He is saying, don't judge. Don't condemn. Be forgiven. Forgiving. Be gracious with your gifts to other people. Do good for them, right? He said it not twice. He's doubled up on that. So I think he's actually saying that, which means for just a second, maybe it's where you pause this. Yeah. You actually have to go, is that true? Yeah. And if that's true, then maybe the way I look at everything else changes. And so that is the awkward tension here. But wait, what creates tension is going to get your attention. So I hope this goes, oh, man, am I doing this wrong? Yeah, so I want to read 37. We'll yeah, kind yeah. of pause in the middle. And then I we do have some questions I don't want to get to. That yeah, yeah, might be along the, yeah. the category of like the the but. How do we navigate this? And how do we explain yeah. this? And how do we, we go through that? So and I feel like we'll, we'll probably jump around today. Like I feel like we've already done that. Of yeah. Even talking about discipline. How do I discipline yeah. when I'm not supposed to judge? Um, so 37 says this. It says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Those are very simple words, but not simple to live out. Yeah. I guess my first question is, why is it so difficult to live that out? Why why isn't it as simple as, okay, I'm not yeah. going to judge? Yeah, I, I, I've thought really hard about this a lot, researched a lot, because I'm going to judge. Like, yeah. personally, I'm looking and go, why do I judge? Like, yeah. Why do I need to say that zinger? And why do I need to, like, leak that information out? Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. I actually... I think there's some evidence for this, and so maybe I'll do some of the hard work for you. I think it's actually jealousy. Okay. Let me give you an example. You got two types of kids, and, and a lot of times in the same home. One kid will ask for the farm, right? Every Christmas, they'll ask for anything. They'll give you a list of 40 yeah. things, right? <laughs> and then you got the other kid who's the modest one who doesn't ask for anything. Like, oh, I want them to figure it out. So the kid who asked for the farm doesn't get the farm, but he gets, you know, the horse or whatever. And the other kid didn't ask for anything. So the parents are trying to imagine what it is they want. And they, you know, get a new pair of tennis shoes, right? Like, (laughs) great. He got a horse. I got tennis shoes. How dare he? He is so rude. And you go, well, the real problem is, is he got what he wanted and you didn't. Mm -hmm. You're upset because you didn't get what you want. He got what he wanted. So at the base of that is just, I'm jealous that he can do that. But not just jealous that he got what he wanted. Jealous that he had the audacity to ask for it. I'm not saying it's good to ask. I'm saying it's actually a little bit obnoxious, right? But see my judgment there, right? But the, the, the issue at hand is he did that and got what he wanted. I didn't do that and therefore didn't get what I wanted. A lot of us in the Christian realm, we're really, really jealous of the people who don't have to follow these rules in their marriage, with their taxes. You know, like I think about it sometimes. It's so messed up. Like in terms of tithing, I'm like, that's a that's a car payment. That's a there's so many things in that. Those people they seem fine. Their budget like I'm told that I reap what I sow. They're not reaping what they're sowing. And so there's just this jealousy. And Greg Rochelle says it this way. I think I'm actually quoting Andy Stanley quoting Greg Rochelle. And he says, if you're not having fun when you're sinning, 
you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Which is such a funny line. It's like, that's true. Sin's supposed to be fun. Now, I understand you get caught up in it and it will wreck your life. Right. But yes. if you're not having fun when you're doing it, then you're doing it wrong. And for those of us who go, no, we can't do that. We're looking into there and going, that's not fair. Right? And so there's part of that judgment that goes, how dare they get away with it? Like, you judge the person who cuts in front of people in line. Mm. Well, why do you judge them for that? Because they think they're more valuable, right? And they, mm. they think those. So you think they think they're more valuable. One, you're jealous either because of their position or the second reason we judge is because we're really self-righteous. Mm. How dare they do that? Because they're not as godly as I am. I'll wait my turn. I'll just be angry that that person didn't. Right? Like, you you know these people. <laughs> you might be one of these people. I might be one of these people. And, and traffic, right? The ones that go all the way down and pass all the cars and you see like the trucks get out in the middle lane and they keep going and you're just seething. Why are you seething? Yeah. One, do you want to be in their spot? Or do you realize they're not as evolved and mature <laughs> as you? So there's just these two things that come up for us. One, I think yeah. second one's kind of a you know part of the first one. But jealousy is a high level of why we judge and self-righteousness. Because we we think we're better than yeah. they are. Those, I think, are the two reasons that we judge. The third one, real quick, is some of us judge because we are so afraid of looking inward. Mm. And we want no one else to look inward. Mm. So jealousy, self-righteousness, big number three is insecurity. Mm. Right? If I can point out their flaws, no one's looking at my flaws. Ironically, the flaws that you're really pointing out, the way they dress, what they do, are either because you desire that or that's who you used to be. Yeah. Right? Like, so that since you understand the pain of that, you judge it now because you can't understand anymore why they want to do it. You forgot when you did it and you thought it was fun. Yeah. So there's just, so there's a lot of reasons, but. Yeah. I feel like my, yeah. my question in that becomes, yeah. so, so what do you do? Because I feel like as you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I don't think jealousy is much as much of a motivator for me. Mm-hmm. However, as like you're talking, I'm thinking, but then again, that would probably be a blind spot. How would I see jealousy how would i see self-righteousness unless you know god convicts me somebody says something or how do i identify that in my life if that's one of the two motivators like so you you just mentioned three how do we distinguish what that is in our lives because i think the third one is insecurity of i think we have to just be brutally honest with ourselves like and i think that even when you say that, like you probably have some level of knowledge of that, but just, uh, I don't want to do that. So yeah. how do you identify what that is then maybe? Yeah, I think there's a lot. One, let me just give the, the, the I'll give some answers, but the first one I think is probably the most critical. And it's like, why are you asking me? You know, like, <laughs> that's not, like there really is a Holy Spirit. And yeah. there is a spirit that convicts. And so maybe the first step in this is, wow, why am I judgy? Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. ask. And don't ask me. I don't know why you're judging. <laughs> I mean, I've got some assumptions. And the only reason I have some assumptions about you is because I know me. Right. I mean, I've done right. that hard work, but it begins with why. And you're asking a question. So who are you asking the question to? Right. Yourself? By inviting the Holy Spirit in to kind of reveal it. So I go, yeah. probably a big piece of this is like that question and God, why in the world am, am I doing that? Right? That's the, we'll get to it. The dealing with the plank, yeah. identifying the plank. So one is why am I judging? That'd be the first step of actually pausing going, Whoa, what should I think about here? The second is actually finding what that issue is. Okay. What yeah. is it? Why, why did I respond that way? Why did I feel that thing? Why did that bring this out of me? Cause the reality is, and there's some really great teaching on this, like whatever comes out of you, whenever that is, it's not their fault. Right? Like yeah, they, no right. one forces you to say that, do that, be that, right? right? Whatever comes out of you, this is really hard, is because that is what's in you. Yeah. 
and what's in you is there because it was placed there. Yeah. And more than likely, it was placed there by someone saying something to you. Mm. No, the reality is, guess who speaks to you the most? You do. Like, a thousand times more than anyone else, or a million times more than anyone else says, you speak to yourself the most. So, you, there's something in you that was placed there. The likelihood mm. is you placed it there, which means if you place it there, if you can figure out why you place it there, then you can figure out how to get it out, right? Yeah. And so it's probably a result of what someone said to you, shaped in you, whatever those things are. So a good place to go in this mm-hmm. is when I'm judging, let me pause for a second and go, why did I do that? Yeah. The second thing to go is, okay, when I'm angry, where do I go at that point? Or when I'm hurt, where do I go? In other words, yeah. where do I seek comfort? So first step is, oh, outward, man, I got to do that. Let's look inward. Okay, why did I do that? Okay, let me think about where I go for comfort. Hmm. Is it a bottle? Is it a gossip? And then you go, okay, if I would go there for that, why? Okay, that means if I'm going for a bottle or a pill, it means I need to escape something. Hmm. I need to escape something. So what am I trying to escape? What, what am I trying to escape? That's one piece. Or, man, if I go there to speak that, it means I need to control something. Hmm. Well, what is it I'm trying to control? What is this I'm trying to escape? What is it I'm trying to control? And I promise you, those are really two arms of the same monkey. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that means. I just said that for the first time. Two arms of the same monkey. But if you kind of narrow down what is it I'm trying to escape or what is it I'm trying to control, it has something to do about your own identity yeah. and your own reputation and your own performance. So you go, okay, well, where do I find my value? Yeah. And when you get to the bottom of that question, if the answer isn't from the spirit of the living God, mm-hmm. Judgment is going to continue to flow out of you. So the big plank in us is we have found our value and our comfort and our security and our performance. And all those things have wore us out. And when you judge, it's because they're getting in the way of your comfort. They're getting in the way of their security. Or they're taking the spotlight off your performance. Mm. So now all of a sudden it goes, something in me that has to deal with the plank of why do I find value in those things as opposed to God? And guess what? I can't fix that point. But I can at least help you go, that's where I asked the Lord. Okay, now I got to look inward. How do I find my hope and my value and my identity in that and being a child of the Most High God? That's yeah. probably where it starts. So, so I want to continue yeah. on. So we ended in thirty-seven. Like, so we're half a verse in. Um, I want to read kind of the the next verse and a half, and then kind of jump into the question. So, uh, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And then it says, forgive. And this is kind of talking about the yeah. you know the difference of the kingdom of God versus yeah. the natural way of doing things. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And I feel like that really probably could sum up everything, but he continues on. Yeah. Like Jesus continues on with his teaching. And we will too, but I, I want to jump into the questions because I think it's it's really that first verse, 37, that yeah. we get so hung up on that we have our questions or how do we understand um, because I think that there is there is a kind of a lack of understanding or how do we go about that? And so uh, let me just jump to yeah. one of the first questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with this one first. It's kind of a lengthy question because yeah. there's a lot of uh, no, no, scripture. We're not, we're not going to get into all of these scriptures. So thank you to the person that sent this in. Love this. But I'm going to ask kind of the overarching mm-hmm. question and just, um, just understand that there's scriptural backings for what they're asking here. So it says, this past sermon um, is a loaded subject. We believers need understanding about the topic of judging, for we often offend in this one thing. Churches divide because of it, and so churches divide because of it. So any light you can shed on this topic will help 
us live in unity together as believers. So how does judging, discerning, and rebuking differ? Am I seeking better, I'm seeking better understanding and grounding for these. And there's specific verses mentioned where it speaks of judging others, where there's a lawsuit that's in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians. Again, in 1 Corinthians, speaking of discerning and judging where this uh, where the Spirit is imparted to us. First Kings talks about a discerning heart needed to govern people. Proverbs talks about rebuke, uh, impresses a man of discernment. Luke 17 says to rebuke a brother who sins, and it kind of continues yeah. on. So how does one discern or rebuke without judging? Is it part of understanding good and evil without sentencing, as in guilty for evil? A great question, and it is loaded. Um, so yeah, lots to consider there. So I, I think I'm understanding that this is that tension of like God says not to judge, yeah, and yet He says to judge, right? You know, and it's like, well, let's pull apart the Greek, and it's like, ah, oh, it's kind of the same, you know, like so don't judge unless you be judged. And so what I want to be clear here is the Scripture is misquoted when it tells us just not to judge. Period. Right. 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 Uh, what it's saying is really, really important. It says don't judge if you don't want to be judged. Don't condemn if you don't want to be condemned. Instead, what you should do is forgive. Like means that literally means to pardon. Means don't want for them the punishment that right. they deserve. And not only want the punishment they deserve, the second part of that is give to them. Like give them grace and joy and use your resources for their advantage. So you got these two different pieces. We have this and the first one's about identity. We define their identity. The way that Andy Stanley says it is um, he says that uh, he defines this passage, this uh, verse as, "Thou shalt not size me up and write me off." Right? <laughs> really, really funny and good. And thou shalt not size me up. That's the judgment piece. That is going. I have sized you up and determined your value, right, based on your behavior. The, and then write me off. That's the condemnation piece. So thou shalt not size me up and write me off. And then be forgiven, be forgiven. And then we're gonna go and say that's the measure that you get. Really, really important that you understand this. That this isn't. I don't think wholeheartedly going, if you've ever judged, that's what God's going to do to you because God is mean, right? Like he's going to judge you. He's going to give you what you deserve. That's not really what's happening here. What I'm telling you is at some point we'll stand before a holy God either covered fully by his forgiveness yeah. and grace. Covered fully, right? That if we confess our mouth, believe in our heart that God is faithful and just, he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what he offers us if, 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 if we choose that. If we choose to live in that kingdom. So in the kingdom of heaven, we are fully forgiven fully given grace we we have had all the mercy we could ever need right like he will not punish you and grace full-on grace like not only does he not punish you he gives you eternal life and resurrected life here on earth that's what's available to you if 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 you live in that new thing now what's really nice here is you have a really good litmus to determine whether or not that is the kingdom you live in how do you determine that well he tells you the measure by which you do this is how you experience this so if you live into the kingdom of god and you understand the role of forgiveness and grace in your own life. Meaning, you have come to the conclusion that you really can't earn your own salvation. So it all begins with, do you think you're a good person? The answer is no. No, you're not a good person. No, it's harsh. It's yeah. mean. But if you really, really pause and go, there are just... I mean, we try to be good, but it's like, no, no. The Bible tells us our hearts are deceitful and yeah. wicked above all things. So, the hard part with this is first the conclusion that we are not good people, right? So when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that word ashamed could be translated, I would argue should be translated as offended, right? Because it's very offensive. The idea that you are so terrible, I'm so terrible, that I cannot earn God's favor or love. Like, I cannot do it. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. Like, I am 
completely incapable. You are completely incapable. That is, that's really, really disgusting and painful. But it's still true, right? Sorry that it's not what we like, but it's still true, right? And so the reality is, first, when I come to that conclusion that I'm not a good person, where yeah. do I go next? Well, where you should go is receive the grace and mercy that's bestowed upon you by the God of the universe through His Son, Jesus. But where do we go? Well, because I'm not a good person, and I know that there's a measure that I'm trying to live up to, I want to make sure everybody else lives up to that same measure. That's why he goes to blind lead the blind. Now all of a sudden you have innately in you this understanding that you're not good, so and that you can't perform well. So what are you going to do if you can't perform well, right? No one else should be able to perform well. Like if if you can't have it, no one else should have it, right? This this is understanding that, and so we spend all of our time and energy judging. So what Jesus is saying is, if you judge. There's a real likelihood that you have made the decision, uh, probably subconsciously, you've made the decision to live in a kingdom that offers judgment and condemnation. If you live in that kingdom, you will be miserable. At some point, you will be lonely. And at some point, you'll stand before God and he'll say he never knew you. So there, this is a huge wager on this. And so I'm like, we got to pause and talk about this and go, if your first inclination is judgment, that is the measure you are going to experience in life. If your, your first response is condemnation for the rest of your life, one day you'll stand before God and he'll go, you chose a kingdom that I didn't want you in. But you, day after day, decided that would be your measurement and how you'd be graded. So that leads us to, well, how do you want to be graded? Jesus is going, how do you want to be graded? Do you want to be graded by your own behavior? Or do you want to be graded on a curve by my behavior? Do you want to, do you want to be graded? Do you want to be defined by what you do and make everybody else be defined by what they do? Or do you want to kind of throw off all those chains and walk into this place of forgiveness and grace? So he's going, hey, don't judge. Don't condemn because that is a old lifestyle. That is not what you're, that's the other side. That's here. That's not there. Over there, your response is forgiveness and grace. The reason being is because that when you decided to judge, you go, oh, what's wrong with me? And then you did the hard work of looking inward and realizing what was broken. And then you asked the Lord to come in and help you with those things. And as he helped you with those things, you became really aware of what those things did to you. So the first step is, not that you don't judge at all. First step is, before you judge, yeah. you have to ask this question, with whose heart am I judging? Right. With whose heart am I judging? Right? Am I judging with my own heart? Because that's bad. Because I told you it's wicked and deceitful. Jeremiah is very clear about that. Or is it with God's heart? Yeah. Well, how do you know which which heart you're judging with. Well, what do you want for the people that you've made this thing right, right. known for, right? So here's a passage that I think is really, really important to this. So how do we get the difference between judgment and discernment and all those kind of things? Well, Jesus tells us to deal with the plank in your own eye, and I know we'll get there, and then you can deal with the speck in your brothers. The thing that's really important, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to tie in all the Jewish laws of all the performance-based with the new covenant of Jesus going, nope, it's all Jesus-based. And he tells us this, there's this weird tension of how we live the life God has for us, which he has for us. And it, and it includes holiness and a better way of living, right? And so he's trying to marry all these things together. And he's going to explain, or she, whoever the writer is, uh, um, is going to explain that in that, that there is a way by which you resolve this. And he talks about the heart and what he argues, or she argues, the, the author, that um, that the, the problem is our hearts have become wicked and hardened and so how do we how do we guard against a hardened heart once you become a christian how do you guard against going back there back yeah, to that place right. of judgment self-righteousness and he tells us hebrews 3 13 i don't i think it's a he sorry uh, hebrews 3 13 he says encourage one another daily as long as it's today so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness so we got a couple things there is a progression even 
after we become Christians that we have this propensity to go back to the old way, the judgmental yeah. way. Right. And so our jobs as brothers and sisters is to make assessments, have discernment about making sure none of us do that. And so two, thing, two things you get. One is we don't want to become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Remember jealousy leads to coveting, which leads to performance. At some point, well, I want they have. It didn't, didn't affect them. didn't affect their marriage. didn't affect their church. I can do those things too, right? So how do you guard from that? Well, there's it says two things. Encourage one another daily as long as it's today. First thing I'd point out there is the word daily. Really, really important. Because this means these are people in each other's life. Yeah. Like there's a real community. But that word encouragement is, I think, the key to how we determine between judgment and discernment. Right? So the word encouragement actually is two Greek words, para and kaleo, right? And so it's similar to paraclete, which is where we get the idea of Jesus saying you'll get another, the Holy Spirit, who's our advocate. So it has something to do with being an advocate for people. But the word para means alongside. Kaleo means to call forth, right? So there's two really important. So he's going, hey, as this happens, you have to call forth in your brother and sister what God has for them. In other words, you got to look at them and go, that's not what God has for you. That's not the, the relationship God has for you. God doesn't actually want you to do that with your girlfriend or boyfriend. God doesn't want you to look at that. God doesn't want you to drink that, whatever it is, right? There's this two pieces. There's this calling forth, Cleo, but there's the para part of that, which means to walk alongside. Mm. So it means when we know that we're out of a place of, out of a place of judgment and more of a place of discernment is we're looking into people and seeing them the way that God sees them and wanting what is what best for them and willing to walk alongside them. And the reason you're willing to walk alongside of them is because you've experienced what it's like to have someone walk alongside you. Mm. Right? So you've experienced what it's like to be broken and find the healing and now, no, no, you can't help but do that for the people. You can't you want God's heart for his people. So as you deal with these things, what happens in you is you go, Oh, that's wrong. And I'm going to be in their life daily so they know I love them, so they know that I care about them, they know that I'm not going to abandon them regardless of what's just happened. Because yeah. what we've experienced in the church over and over again is we've made those judgments and we've abandoned people. Yeah. Over and over again. You've done it, I've done it, we've just abandoned people. And so the difference in this is, hey, I, I see something in you that God wants for you and this is not the path for that, but I am willing to walk with you on the path that is. So Billy Graham says this way, if you're not willing to be a part of the solution for something, stop praying about it. Right? If you're going to pray about something, be willing to be a part of the solution. And I'm just going to say the same thing in this. Mm. If you're going to make a judgment, then willing to be a part of the solution mm. by the long, hard work of walking alongside. Not, you're not demanding, but being there every single step of the way as they fall. And so there is a level of parakaleo, this encouragement. And that's where daily where we don't get hardened by sense of deceitfulness. So whose heart are you looking at that issue with and with and whose hands and feet are willing to participate in being a part of the solution for it? Yeah, I feel like that yeah. if it connects and it makes sense to me because if, if I'm in relationship with somebody, if I'm walking and living, experiencing yeah. life with someone, I would want them to point out the things yeah. in me that I may not see, like those things that are blind spots for me. Um, but if we have kind of the, you know, the lone ranger, the person that shows up and yeah. blows in and goes, hey, you're doing this wrong, yeah. you're not going to receive that very well, right? Yeah. Like it's going to be, you're going to be defensive yeah. versus, I'm thinking of Proverbs, the slap of a friend can be trusted, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's, it may hurt. It doesn't mean that that's an easy thing to hear, but it's, it's somebody that loves you and cares for you. So it makes a lot of sense that we would be in community, that we would be in relationship yeah. And it would be about walking together in that. And through that. <laughs> so there, when you read this, when you read any of the letters of the New Testament, 
every single part of this is distributed yeah. in community. Yeah. Like there right. is an assumption that we just miss in this, that this is all happening alongside. So when they use the word brothers, this is a familial language here. Like there is just an assumption that the way by which this stuff happens is in community. Yeah. And what we've done is we've isolated ourselves. We've put our cute little post on Facebook about our, you know, scriptural understanding or quote of the day. And yet so many of us aren't walking in community. And so mm. like, so it's like, this is. And so I don't know how we make demands of people we're not walking alongside. Yeah. Right. And so this is, let's look first at ourselves. And this is where it gets like really gray. And we go, well, what do we do about like big national sins? You know, like we talk about homosexuality or anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, again, whose heart are we calling these things right. out on? Yeah. And what do we want? Like, do we think that someone without the Holy Spirit in their life <laughs> is going to receive that? Is going to yeah. receive it or be transformed? If we've yeah. come to the conclusion that the only reason that we have a different heart is because the Holy Spirit did the work, right. so the Holy Spirit isn't present, then how can I don't know that our big declarations would do that? Now there is levels of going, hey, we, there is this call to us to fight for the oppressed, yeah, right? And so those are by that I mean those who have no voice. Yeah. Right? So when we're trying to fight with someone, call out sin and someone who also has a voice, it just becomes cacophony, like just loud noise back and forth, clanging cymbals. But, but we do have a mandate and an expectation that we call out for those who don't have a voice, that yeah. we do stand up and go, no, God has ordained this. This is where I'd put issues like abortion, frankly. Yeah, that right, right. I understand there's voices, women's rights, bodies, all that kind of stuff. And it's like... Yeah, but there still is a voiceless component in that. That's where yeah. we got to fight for slaves, you know, like because it's going, no, no, there still is a voice missing. There's a way by we have to declare truth to those who, who are oppressing other right, people. Right. That is different than, than telling someone that they should do behavioral modification yeah. because it goes against God's word. It'd be better for them, but there is no, they have a voice. That just becomes an argument. So it certainly seems like the best plan of action and all these arenas as much as it can is to actually build relationships yeah. with people who give us permission to speak right. into the and, issues. And even the tone of that, like in a relationship, you if you value your friendship and you yeah. love your brother or your sister, like it's the way that you talk to your wife about like something that's yeah. off shouldn't be like, hey, you need to fix this. It's going, hey, mm-hmm. I, I've noticed this. Is there something I can do mm-hmm. to support and help where it's not... Even that, like, even as I'm saying it, I'm, I'm thinking through, I'm going, am I judging? Well, like, well, yeah. so I got to be careful with that. I do want to get to this question yeah. and I feel like we've already halfway answered this, yeah. but I think just, just the bottom line, just very clearly the, the way that it's stated, I think is a, a great question to ask ourselves. So uh, the, it says, if I observe someone behaving in a way that is clearly misaligned with God's word, and I tell them or someone else about it, am I judging them? That's the first part. I feel like we've probably already answered that, but you can speak to that if you want. And then the second part says, of course, an issue is that my own behavior may even be more greatly misaligned, but don't I still have an obligation to try and correct my fellow human? Yeah, so there's some, that's a good question because uh, let me go to the second one and work back to the first one since it's right in front of me. Um, actually, will you bring up that first one again? Yeah, sure. And we'll make sure that I, I, I answer it correctly. I think we've hit it. I'm almost talking about the beginning. So, uh, so if something's clearly misaligned in God's word, should I tell them uh, someone else about it? Like, should I address that? First question there is, have I addressed that issue in my own life? Hmm. Right? Like, has that been something that I have I've repented of and I've found healing in? Right? Like, so... Yeah. Unless you have found healing in it, this is blind leading blind. Yeah. Right. So that's really, right. really important. Is this an area that I have I have taken hold of, I have surrendered 
to the Lordship of Jesus, that he is fully in charge of that, and I have found healing in it. This is where I talk about the open wounds versus the scars. Yeah. Otherwise, it's blind leading blind. So first question is, have I, have I repented of anything in that category, which, frankly, typically is the best way to approach something. You know, I'm talking practically here, that if this is an area that you've struggled with and found, you know, um, you've been able to overcome through the Holy Spirit in it, then that makes sense to be able to walk alongside and go, hey, I've been right. where you are. The enemy's defeated by the blood of what Jesus did for you in the word of your testimony. Right. So that makes sense. You have some credibility in that area. So that would be really important. Has, have I, have I, when I, mean, I want to judge outwardly, have I looked inwardly to see if there's something I need to deal with personally that I need to surrender to the Lord? That'd, that'd be the, the first thing. You got to make sure you do that. The second thing there is, okay, now whose heart am I addressing this with? Whose heart? Is it with God or Jesus' heart? And are my own. The third question is, will the person I'm saying that to know that? Hmm. First one is, have I, have I surrendered this and found healing in this area? Or is this not an area that I struggle with? Second is, with whose heart am I addressing this? Hmm. With whose heart am I addressing it? Mine or Jesus's? If it's yours, got some more work to do. Third is, will they know that it's with God's heart? Hmm. And once you get to the place that is all three, it's open season, right? This is the open season because... I've, I have looked inward after being you know provoked outward. I've looked inward, nailed my desires to walk hand in hand forward. I can encourage one of daily. I have God's heart, so I want what's best for them. I don't want any punishment. I don't want any condemnation. I don't want any penalty. I can, And I'm willing to hold their hand in this. So I have God's heart, and they know that I have God's heart in this. Mm-hmm. That last one is a hard one, I think. And some of the ways that this is, I mean, I, like I grieve this because I wonder what that's going to be like if I have to address sin in my children's lives. Yeah. That's why right now it's so important for me to go, how do I make sure they know I have God's heart for mm-hmm. them? Why do I? So the, that's a really important part of this. And some of that might actually be you repenting that of, of your own behavior in this where I've gone, hey, I'm sorry, I tried to control you. Hey, I thought I knew it was best. Hey, I mm-hmm. missed this. Will you forgive me? Like, So sometimes the best way to speak into someone is first confess where you've failed them in the past in that. And so they see your heart and God's heart are now aligned. No, all of a sudden there is a, you know, a better thing. So first, again, look inward. Have you surrendered? Have you found healing? Is that an area that you feel like you can speak as an expert on? Second, whose heart are you speaking with? If it's God's heart, move forward. Third, then, do they know it's God's heart? If they know it's God's heart, open season to do what? Encourage one another daily, as long as it's today, so that no one becomes hardened by sense of deceitfulness. That's the time that you get to speak and exhort and go, I see this. God wants this for you. Let me tell you what this experience has been in my pain. And I am willing to go the length and walk through this with you as you and I find healing in this. Right. So that would be the, the piece there. Yeah. So, so I'd say, so it sounds like if all three of those, you can kind of clearly yeah. say that, that you're good, you can move mm-hmm. forward. So then that question, if, if it's a no in any three of those areas or all three of those areas, yeah. then it sounds like your answer would be, no, you don't have an obligation to correct your fellow human. Did you say uh, yeah, that? so I want to be clear here. The, the fellow human's really dangerous there. And so there, I don't think, I, I think we have no expectations of anyone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in them yeah. to act like the Holy Spirit lives in them. That I think is actually dangerous in that we're going to teach some behavior modification as the way by which you get to God. So fix this in your life, right? Unless, 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 this is really important. Unless your fellow human asks for permission right. for you to speak into it. Right, right. That is a different thing. Hey, have you noticed this? Hey, I'm struggling with this. Would you offer your... When there's permission, I would say, yep, really great time to point out the things. If they've asked for, if they've asked you to speak in their life, 
speak into their life. That mm-hmm. is that means you've done the work. Even if you didn't realize you did the work, you've done the work and they trust your heart. And my guess is they trust your heart because your heart is aligned with God's heart. But outside of that, then you go, okay, if it's a non-believer, how in the world can I expect them to act like a believer? I, I have no expectations there. No, if it's, yeah. a, it's a brother in Christ, if it's a brother in this, then there should be some kind of relational component right. where we have committed to this to one another. And this is why the relationship piece matters so much. So have I, have I done the hard work myself first? Have I then, you know, checked my heart, make sure it's God's heart that wants this for him? Do they trust that it's God's heart? And am I willing to walk alongside them? Then that those are the four things I think that and you know, then, let me say it this way. Then and only then do I think it's appropriate to go, yeah. let me make this observation. Right, right. I mean, one of the really important things that, that we miss in the church discipline one. So in the, in the Bible, it talks about church discipline. If someone offend, hurts you, offends you, it's really important is that it actually is a, a personal offense. That's the first thing, right? So in church discipline, when we call it out there, it's a it's something that if, if your brother's offended, you go to him, right? And it says you go to him. And it says something really, really important that we miss in this so often. It says, if your brother listens then you have won him over. So there's yeah. something really important about being in a spot where they can listen. That's why I think self-awareness, oh, that person's really right. There are people that I get emails from that I go, oh, I'm going to listen to this because I know their heart and boy, are they self-aware. Yeah, right. Boy, have I heard them kind of confess their own mess-ups. I know that this is with pure intentions. Bring it. And there are people that bring it. And I'm going, bring it because these are people that love me, love our church, and have done the hard work first. So, yeah. So much of this is, yes, at some point we have to encourage or exhort or pericaleo into people. Yeah. But there's some there, there, there's a whole footing that's built before we start building the tower. And it seems like we want to build the tower first, and it's just yeah. going to topple over. Yeah. Well, we've gotten two verses into this. Uh, and what are we at? at yeah. Let's say 52 minutes? Mm-hmm. Is that what that says? 53, 15. Wow. Okay. Well, we um, pointed out a lot of the other ones. So. Yeah. So we did point out a lot of them. And, and what I was thinking is that I'm not going to try and yeah. read verse through verse um, because we've already done that. If you've already watched yeah. the Sunday service or listened to it, um, you've been able to see it. So just as a recap, if you're listening yeah. at this point, it was Luke 6, 47 through 45. Yeah. So so I think we've gotten to the point where we go, okay, let's deal with the... Yeah. Let's, First, deal with the, the spec. Really important that that's yeah. first, which means there's a second. Second is help your brother with or sister with their yeah. uh, deal with our plank. Help them with their sawdust with their spec. But I think it is really important that we do cover that last forty three through forty five. So let's yeah. read that one there. Sure, it does tell, yeah, give us an understanding of what we need to do there. So yeah, and I did think yeah. just a personal observation as we did yeah. through this. Like what was interesting is that it says don't judge, but yet it did say when you're talking about the the spec and the plank, yeah. it says uh, first take the log out of your own your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's. Yeah, yeah. It was then. It was, yeah, so there's it was a if first then. and then second. Yeah. So that means there is an obligation there. If you've right. dealt with a plank, you got to help your brother with a speck. Yeah. yeah. So uh, jump into 43. We'll read that through 45. It says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor, again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs uh, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a, a bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and an evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Yeah. So there's a lot there. So first, really nice qualifier is really good way to see what your judgment's like is look at what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Oh, goodness, why did I say that? Why did I say that then? Why did I say that loud? Yeah. Why did I say that in my head? Oh. Let me look down a little further and figure out what's going on in my heart because everything has to do with your heart. For all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. For out of the yeah. overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. These are what the passages of Scripture say in the Old Testament. So Jesus is going, hey, this, this is where it is. So, so you go, well, this seems weird. 
He's talking about seeing and blind leading blind and then plank and eye, which is just so funny to me to think about the imagery and spec. And then all of a sudden it seems like he changes gears. And then he goes, four, meaning as a result of this, there is a time by which you finally, once you've dealt with the plank, you deal with the spec. So four, as a result, this is where he's talking about the commandment. you got to help your brother. Four, no good tree bears bad fruit, yeah. nor does a good a bad tree bear good fruit. So what in the world is he talking about? Well, it's actually pretty simple. If you're a tree, who's the fruit for? It's not for you. Yeah. You don't need to eat the fruit. You're the tree. Right? Like, that's not where you get your sustenance. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could, talk, you could argue biodegrade, but the, the purpose of a tree that bears fruit is that people eat the fruit. Mm. So the beauty of this is you think through what Jesus is saying is he's going, the reason you deal with the plank is because that's the way you plant the seed that grows into this yeah. fruit. And so as you look inward and plant this, what happens is you start producing fruit. And as you start producing fruit, those around you get to enjoy yeah. the fruit. So like the best way to kind of think about this is, Am I a person that people want to avoid like yeah. I was in high school because I was so judgmental because I was so self-righteous that they would hide their drinks from me when I walked into a party. Like so embarrassing. I didn't even go to my whatever number that was, 20, 15 year class reunions. I'm so embarrassed of the kid I yeah. was, right? And so think about that and go, well, how do people experience you? Like yeah. are they someone that when you come around, they go, that guy brings life and fruit. And not just like you're, you're fun, but. There's something about you that breathes life into folks. And so there is something in it that goes, do they know that your heart is for them? Because if your heart is for them, then your heart's close to God's heart. Because God's heart is definitely for them. So how do we get to that place? There's only one way. By looking inward. Judgment gives an opportunity to look inward and go, oh, man, there's something off there. So as we get caught about this and go, oh, man, do I say that? Do I not? It's like, but first, man, let's see if this is a place that helps build and plant us. Like this is a great opportunity. Judgment and condemnation lead to self-awareness and self-awareness leads to this deep-rooted system that produces life. And that life, that life is what is going to help your brothers and sisters in this. So the fruit is for other people. And so Jesus goes, we know how you get your fruit. It has to do with your treasure. Where your treasure is, that's your heart. And so who has your heart? Who has your heart? Jesus has your heart. Have you surrendered to him? And therefore, you will know that because you have the same heart for other people. When you get there, when you get there, when your heart and Jesus' heart are aligned for people, there's no longer condemnation. Mm. There is freedom in that and lots and lots of like joy. Where Jesus says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You become the evidence and the fruit of that tasting and seeing. And so it's pretty neat to go from this judgmental, condemning person to just with the same exact things, turning it inward, picking up the mirror, looking in and dealing with it, that all of a sudden as this grows in you, you will know. You will know that this isn't like, great, do I say this or not? No, no, you will be a place of deep nourishment for people. People will be coming to you because you offer this fruit for their life that they have been looking for. And so, But that only starts with self-awareness and planning yourself in the kingdom of heaven, planning it and feeding it, right, yeah. over and over again, rooting deep and then fruiting out for people to do. But that starts with self-awareness and inward looking. Yeah, I, I felt like it was. you ended with really good practical kind of steps yeah. of what you can do and even kind of an evaluation yeah. of figuring out where you are. You had already mentioned one, do people feel better or worse when around you? Yeah. Are you honest and vulnerable? Mm-hmm. You kind of talked about the difference of, of being yeah. honest and, and saying things but also being vulnerable in that. Um, are you the hero of your own stories? Are people inviting you to speak into others' lives or into their lives? Um, and are people completely honest with you? Yeah. So I thought that was good. And then you, you kind of said, so generally there's like three groups, or it could be all three, yeah. and kind of what steps you need to take. And, and and if you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to already 
you know, pause this even and read, listen to that, watch yeah. that, whatever, whatever you do, because there's good next steps for repent, mm -hmm. confront, or to listen. And, and there was a practical. Yeah. So if you think about that, even the question, do I have the obligation? Well, let's go back to that. Like there are three categories here. These are Andy Stanley's. Really, was helpful. And I, I think he, he taught a sermon called on the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not in the Scriptures. Mm -hmm. One of them was judge not. That's so really helpful. Really helpful to get that framework there. And so the first one is, hey, are you someone who, he says it, sizes them up and writes them off. Like if yeah. you just determine that there is no hope, no value, whatever, keep that person away from me. Like you have just determined that there's nothing that the Holy Spirit can do or you've determined that you want nothing to do with them, whatever it is, that you have just walk around and just notice what's wrong with people all the time. And it kind of for you, it's like, well, boy, hopefully that antenna goes up and you go, man, I got to look inward. Yeah. For the first time you look inward. And what you're going to do when you really look inward, what you'll do is you realize that you're not near as great or special as we like to think we are, right? Mm -hmm. And so you look inward, and from that inward look, there's this repentance of going, okay, yeah, I can't do this on my own. Yep, I yeah. can't I can't earn my salvation. So you just repent, right? Now, the rest, the next round is going, well, do I have this obligation to share something? Well, maybe. Like, does the Lord keep putting someone in your life, on your heart, that it's time for you to call out potential, uncover value in them, and be willing to walk alongside them? You're there, you've dealt with it, you've found that you have healing in your life, and you've felt that your heart's God's heart, and they know it, then at that point, it's probably time for you to have the courage to walk across the room or pick up your phone and confront. Not in that, that word's dangerous. You go, what does yeah. that mean? That, it means just in love, pericaleo. Yeah. Encourage them by going, I'm going to walk alongside you in this because there's a better life for you, and let's go down that path together. And I actually think there's many of you, and that, that's, many of you asking these questions, going, you get, right now I'm saying this, you're going, oh, I'm not sure I want to say that to that person, but I think I'm there. And it's like, it's pretty good, the courage. So some of you got to repent, deal with your own heart. Others, you've dealt with your heart. You have Jesus' heart, and you got to go and help others move forward. So confront. And the third one is, man, may we be people. Some of the ways that God reveals these things to us is because someone has walked up to us and go, we want to walk alongside you. We've noticed mm -hmm. this. Hey, like I've had this in my life. I've had a, a buddy go alongside me. We're in the middle of a home renovation in Billings, Montana. And I love him. He loves me. And I knew that his marriage had gone through some tough times. And he had said, hey, I noticed something, Josh. You use a lot of sarcasm. And my opinion is, I don't think you should use sarcasm in marriage. It's really hurt. And he says his wife's name, that kind of stuff. Is it all right if... Next time that happens, I'll point it out. Hmm. Yes, Steve, I guess so. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, please. If that, wow, wow, that's really helpful. Kind of thing. But I knew he loved me. He knew those things. And so, yeah. boy, uh, he's helping me build a porch. He was a builder. And Josh, do you see what you just did there? Oh, man. You know, like, hey, Josh, see what you just did there? Oh, man. You know, like over and over. But this was a guy who was willing to do that. And it's like, man, I'm kind of glad I listened. Yeah. And so some of us, it's just time that we listen to people that love us really well. Maybe that's yeah. your parents. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe that's your grandparents. Maybe that's your coworker. Maybe that's your small group leader. I don't know. But could it be possible that you should be listening? Or could it be possible that in different arenas in your life, you should be doing all three right now? So that's what I would leave you with. That's what I challenge you. Every single one of us have a spot in our life right now where we can repent. Every single one of our life have probably a spot in our life where we can confront. Every single one of us have a spot in our life when we need to listen. And maybe we need to start identifying people that we can invite into our lives that we want to listen to. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us in our conversation, in our discussion. As always, if you have questions or if you have thoughts, please contact us, info uh, at clcfamily.church, overtime at clcfamily.church, or you can just text us 610-869-2140. We'd love to have you part of the conversation ongoing. If it's next week, we'd love to have you be a part of that. So thanks for joining us. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged. Have a great week.